Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your word. God, thank you that through it uh, we see your love, your grace, your kindness. God, thank you today that we meet uh, with a powerful God, a sovereign God. God, we invite you to come uh, and take control, take charge of our time this morning. Father God, we want uh, nothing more uh, than to know you better. So we ask that you would bring these words to life, God, that your spirit would be with us now. Amen. I have, um, I've never preached Revelation before. I never really studied it uh, that much uh, until this week. Uh, and studying Revelation and preaching it needs a different kind of skill set. Uh, preaching Revelation is uh, a bit like uh, getting uh, a packed lunch from your mum. Now, on some days, uh, a packed lunchroom, if she's in a bad mood, it is probably a mouldy sandwich and a packet of cigarettes. But... If your mum is in a good mood, uh, a packed lunch uh, is full of unexpected surprises. It's full of uh, delicious homemade cake, your favourite sandwich. Mine is coronation chicken. Uh, if mum is in a good mood, I might get that in my packed lunch. Uh, maybe you get a can of Fanta or whatever your fizzy drink uh, of choice is. And in that lunch, uh, you find the love of your mother. Um, this passage today is like a good packed lunch from your mum. Not a bad one, a good packed lunch from your mum. I can buy my own cigarettes now. I'm old enough. I don't. It's fine. Um, but this, is, um, this passage needs unpacking and it needs squeezing to get the full weight uh, of meaning from it. Uh, and as we dig into Revelation, maybe you're studying it on your own uh, alongside our Sunday talks, uh, you'll find uh, that these are beautiful letters. Uh, these are letters where Jesus uh, sees the deepest needs of the community he's writing to, and he's unafraid to address them. Uh, he's unafraid to speak straight into them. And as Jesus speaks to the church in Philadelphia, uh, he speaks to us here today. The words are just as timely, uh, just as present, just as important uh, today as they were when they were first written. Uh, we just need to squeeze them slightly to get the full meat, the full juice out of them. The tone of this letter uh, can seem uh, a bit harsh. It uses phrases like the synagogue of Satan. Uh, it feels like Jesus uh, isn't mincing his words. He's getting right up uh, in the grill of the church of Philadelphia. Uh, and maybe we wish that Jesus was a little bit kinder. He kind of fluffed his words slightly more. Um, but I think it's helpful to think of Jesus in this passage uh, as being like uh, a sports team coach. Maybe you, um, maybe you played football or you played rugby. Uh, I, uh, at the moment, have just begun training for a marathon. I'm going to be in incredible shape come September the 28th when I pound either Loch Ness or the streets of Chester into submission. Uh, but I know that I will, um, I will train hard until race day. Uh, and on race day, uh, I will want someone to talk me through the course I'm going to run. I want them to tell me that at mile 14, there's a big hill and you're going to want to cry. But it's fine because at hill 17, you start going downhill. I want them to tell me uh, the splits I have to run to get the time I need. Uh, in that moment, when I'm trying to focus, when I'm putting myself under pressure, I don't want uh, a beautiful sonnet. Uh, I don't want uh, a well-crafted poem or verse. I just want you to tell it to me straight. Uh, and that's what Jesus is doing to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, he's just telling it to them straight. Uh, he's saying, uh, you're going to go through a difficult time. Uh, the, church of, the, the synagogue of Satan is going to rant and it's going to rail against you. It's going to make your life uh, unbearably difficult. But don't worry, because there's a victory coming. Uh, and as the victory comes, one day uh, you'll be with me in heaven. You'll receive a, a crown, a, a new name. You'll be central to the work that I'm going to do in heaven. 
So Jesus isn't being rude. He isn't being unfair. Uh, He's just identifying the need uh, of this church and speaking straight into it. Uh, And one of the reasons uh, he's, uh, one of the problems this church is going to face is, I said before, that the synagogue um, of Satan, they're persecuting uh, the church. Uh, And Jesus understands the human condition perfectly. Uh, He totally understands uh, the likely response uh, of the Church of Philadelphia. Uh, he knows that when we, um, when we come under testing, when people are uh, persecuting us, they're mocking us for our faith, the temptation for us uh, is to turn inwards. Uh, the temptation is that we, uh, we build walls around ourselves and we try and keep the unsafe things out uh, and we protect this space. Hello. There's a mic. Uh, we protect uh, the un... Uh, we keep the unsafe things out and we try and create uh, a safe space for us. Uh, we turn inwards. Uh, imagine you're at a dinner party uh, and you're out with friends maybe um, and you're having a, a pleasant time uh, but then someone makes a slightly cruel comment maybe a, about the clothes you're wearing uh, or possibly saying that was inappropriate. That wasn't a funny joke uh, that you just made. You're not quite as funny uh, as you think you are. Imagine someone said that. That wouldn't be mean. But imagine someone said that. Often when um, people uh, are cruel to us, the temptation is for us to fall silent. We kind of close up in on ourselves. Uh, Jesus, in the tone of this letter, is trying to get the church to to hold its ground. Uh, He doesn't want them uh, to back down. He doesn't want them to fall away. Uh, He doesn't want them to become silent. Uh, He wants them to to hold their voice. He says, though you are of, of little strength, you have been faithful to me and you haven't denied my name. Uh, He wants them to carry on being faithful. He wants them uh, to carry on loving his name, to keep on speaking about him. Uh, The Church of Philadelphia lives in an incredibly hostile culture. Uh, People are persecuting them. They're possibly uh, killing them, torturing them. Uh, It will be incredibly intense, a difficult time for them. But Jesus recognizes uh, the most dangerous thing uh, about that moment in history wasn't the culture around them. It wasn't the threat of persecution. It was that the church might stop being brave. The church might lose its voice. It might fall silent. Because if the church in Philadelphia had fallen silent, it would have collapsed and disintegrated. Uh, The culture can be hostile all at once. uh, But if the church falls silent, that's where death really comes. We live um, in 21st century Scotland where 95% uh, of the country don't go to church on a Sunday. Uh, Some people are incredibly hostile towards our faith. Others just apathetic. Uh, But but the the, the 95% is almost irrelevant because the real danger, the thing that could bring death to the church is if the people of God fall silent, if they stop talking about their faith, uh, if they stop telling their their friends at work about Jesus, if they don't uh, live out the the values uh, that Jesus has given us. That's when the real danger comes. A danger isn't ever from a hostile culture, but from a silent church. Have you allowed yourself to fall silent under the pressure from those around you? Uh, Have your knees buckled slightly under the weight? Have you fallen silent? Jesus here is saying, you've been faithful. Don't stop. Don't stop talking about me. Don't let the culture press you in. Don't disintegrate under the pressure, but hold your ground. One of the bigger um, concerns for uh, the church in Philadelphia would have been uh, the kind of things the Jewish community would have been saying to them. Uh, The Jewish community at the time would have been all about uh, trying to decide who was in and who was out, uh, who was acceptable to God uh, and who was unacceptable to God. 
uh, they would have believed uh, that you had to be uh, probably from a, a certain tribe, a certain uh, nation, a certain part of town before you could be acceptable to God's. That you would have to follow uh, a certain strict behavior code uh, before you were able to be uh, pleasing to God or accepted into the community. Uh, they'd taken uh, the decision as to who God would and wouldn't love, uh, would and wouldn't accept unto themselves. In other words, they decided who was holy, who was pleasing to God. Uh, and Jesus would have known that and recognized it. Uh, and in verse 7, right at the start of the passage, uh, it says, These are the words of him who is holy and true. In other words, uh, Jesus is the one here in this culture and in this time who is holy and true. Uh, and if Jesus is holy and true, uh, then holiness and truth flows from him, and he gets to decide what's holy and true. Not the culture uh, around the Jewish synagogue, but Jesus. Uh, in a time and a place where the Philadelphian church uh, were possibly worrying, are we really saved? Uh, have we really got this the right way around? Uh, are we really making the right decision? Jesus is asserting, no, I'm holy and true around here. I get to set the rules. I make the benchmark. Uh, and the rules are, if you know and you love me, then you're in. Then you're acceptable to God. That's all it takes. Uh, Jesus is turning away from a postcode uh, or a behavior code. Uh, instead, he says, all you have to do is know and love me. All you have to do is know and love me. And he's reminding the Philadelphian church of that. Uh, do you sometimes uh, doubt your faith? Uh, we've seen um, Stephen Fry in particular be really vocal uh, against the Christian faith. Uh, has that shaken you more than you expected it to? Uh, has that uh, made a reaction in you where you wonder, um, is God really who I think he is? Uh, in this passage today, Jesus is asserting that I'm, I'm holy and true. I, I, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm merciful. Uh, Jesus decides what goes. And, and people can be loud in our ears. They can shout. They can be vocal. But Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm holy and true. It all flows from me. Uh, and that theme runs uh, throughout lots of, of this passage. The theme that, that Jesus is the, the right way. He's holy and true. Uh, in a culture which is screaming everything uh, against God, Jesus is asserting, no, I'm, I'm the way. I'm the right way to go. Uh, verse 7 goes on. It says, these words uh, are of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David." What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Uh, he's taken that uh, straight from uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 22, uh, which says, I will place on his shoulders the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. In other words, Jesus is the fulfillment uh, to that prophecy from Isaiah, uh, and Jesus holds the keys. He holds the keys. The house of David uh, is the, the temple of God. It's, it's heaven. Uh, Jesus holds the keys to heaven. Uh, and if you uh, hold the keys, that puts you in an incredibly powerful situation. Um, if, you, uh, if you were in your home and you, you held the keys, you get to decide uh, who is and isn't allowed to enter in. I, um, I often lose my keys. Um, not permanently, but just often. I leave them somewhere and I forget. Uh, and I, I've gone through... Well, a couple of weeks ago, I left my, um, my office keys at my girlfriend's house in Birmingham, uh, which meant I had to manage two weeks uh, without keys, which is incredibly irritating. I could get into my home, but it meant I had to kind of wait outside the office uh, until someone would let me in. Uh, or I had to kind of loiter around at lunch or rush somewhere uh, so I could get in the door uh, before it closes. When you don't hold the keys, you're dependent on someone else. You're reliant on them to let you in. Uh, Jesus holds the keys. Uh, we're dependent on him to let us in, 
to find us pleasing and acceptable. And the message of Jesus is, you're pleasing and acceptable to me if you love and if you trust me. Jesus holds the keys and he sets the rules. Uh, he determines who is and isn't pleasing to God. Uh, and whereas the Jewish community want to make that as difficult as possible, they want to turn it uh, and localize it and set loads of rules and boundaries. Jesus is doing the total opposite. Uh, he opens it up so that anyone can come to know him. Anyone can know his love and his grace and his mercy in their lives. Jesus, as he holds open the door, is inviting everyone to be saved. Everyone to know the kindness of God. So Jesus recognizes that this is an insecure, uncertain community uh, who are being persecuted and pressed in, uh, for whom the voices of other people are very loud in their ears. Uh, and he closes uh, the passage by saying, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my gods. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my gods and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Jesus recognizes that these are people who feel vulnerable, who feel marginalized, who are almost uh, losing their voice, who are feeling the pressures of persecution. And he said, no, no, I'm coming soon. Hold on. Uh, and when I come, I'll write my name on you. In other words, no one will doubt uh, that you followed me as I wanted to be followed. Uh, no one will doubt uh, that God loved them, that God cared for them, that he regarded them as holy and true, as God is holy and true. Jesus sees the needs of that community and meets it perfectly. Possibly today, uh, you've doubted. I remember um, when I was... I was 19. I went through a phase of really doubting uh, that, I was, that I was saved. I kind of thought, gosh, maybe it doesn't really feel right. I felt like I've kind of bottled it somewhere. I've made a mistake. Uh, and I was, uh, I was volunteering on a, a camp, and there was a separate group who were praying for us. And I was interning at a church, so I knew some of the people. And they kind of, they would, I, I like to think, would have thought I was fairly solid and fairly stable. Um, but one of them, um, one of them when they were praying for uh, as a group, just had a word of God reminding me uh, that actually he has saved you. You're not, you're not going anywhere. God loves you and he cares for you. And maybe uh, this morning you need to be reminded uh, that God loves you, that he cares for you, that you are acceptable and pleasing to him, not because of the things that you've done, uh, but because of the love and the grace of God. Maybe you need reminding of that. Maybe you need reminding uh, to hold your ground, uh, to continue to be brave, to continue to talk about Jesus, where uh, people would want you to be silent, uh, to speak, where people would want you to live a certain way, to choose to live uh, in the way that Jesus has called us. Sometimes we, um, we take on the role um, of the Philadelphian Jewish community. Uh, we try and make things exclusive. We try and uh, box certain things out. We show it in the kind of people we talk to sometimes after services. We need to talk to people who look like us, who are the same age as us, uh, who engage in the world the same way that we engage with the world. And so we exclude other people from relating to them. Possibly uh, you need to break down some of those barriers and start to engage with other people differently. But whatever, Jesus uh, wants you to know this morning that you are loved and accepted, uh, that if you've chosen to follow him, uh, that you have entered into a saving, complete relationship with God. If you've not entered into that relationship with God yet, then he would want to call you into that, to call you to explore him more, to know his love for you deeper. As you go this week, would you be brave in speaking out the name of Jesus? Amen.